2: Welcome to a very special Vintage Video Patreon Pick, where our patrons at the $100 tier are invited to request any pre-1980s title they'd like for a custom review from the Vintage Video team, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
1: I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells.
2: And today, Carlos Moda has asked us to review Logan's Run. Released June 23rd, 1976, it was written by David Zelig Goodman, based on the novel by William F. Nolan and George Clayton Johnson, directed by Michael Anderson and released by United Artists. In 1967, William F. Nolan and George Clayton Johnson's novel, Logan's Run, was published. Screenwriters by trade, the men decided it would be more profitable to release their story in a novel form first, to build interest in the property, and as a proof of concept, to inspire a bidding war for the rights. They didn't get screenwriting credits on the film, so... It's a good thing that they wrote the book. Yeah. Because otherwise someone would have just rewritten their movie and... They wouldn't have gotten credits. It tells the story of Logan, a sandman of the dystopic Malthusian future, charged with terminating runners who refuse to sacrifice themselves for the greater good once reaching the maximum age of their future society. Like Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, the story turns when the man in charge of enforcing the rules is suddenly subject to them and becomes a runner himself. MGM producer George Powell struggled in the process of adapting the story, hoping to inject the plot with more timely political issues. His adjustments to the first script from Richard Maybaum caused extensive delays, and the budget grew beyond the studio's comfort level. Powell left the project to produce Warner's 1975 Doc Savage movie, and Roger Corman's American International came calling with an offer to acquire the project. But by then, MGM considered their pre-production efforts to be worth nearly twice AI's $200,000 offer. The studio feared they had missed their window after the successes of 2001 and Planet of the Apes subsided, but a sci-fi resurgence in 73 from Soylent Green and Westworld gave MGM the confidence to move forward with the project. Producer Saul David took up the project and commissioned Soylent Green scribe Stanley R. Greenberg to rewrite. Greenberg was only around long enough to introduce the concept of carousel before dropping out to be replaced with credited screenwriter David Zelig-Goodman, who started mostly from scratch but kept the carousel concept.
3: I hate that name.
2: Carousel. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't. It's dumb. I don't like it. Also,
3: I, I watch everything with captions, so I kept reading it as carousal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because
2: R. There's two there's R's.
3: There's two R's in it mm-hmm. for some reason.
2: It's very weird.
1: Not when I spell it, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't. <laughs> All right. it's it's one of those words too that uh, I use often at work. Why?
3: What? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, because you're always
2: uh, carousing people there. <laughs>
1: Uh, no, because our, cause our website has uh, – we, we call it the carousel for uh, a series of automated – of images that scroll automatically oh, okay, to yeah. indicate different content. Mm. Um and so we're going to add this to the carousel. It's like uh. – so you think I would know how to spell it by now. No.
2: But No. <laughs> In the book, the maximum age is 21, but it was raised to 30 for the film as there were not enough name actors available under 21 to cast in the film. There weren't enough under 30 either, so yeah. <laughs> they, had to, they had to fudge it a little bit.
1: Yeah, because how old was Michael York in this? He's
2: 10 years older than Jenny Agutter. The original cast of the film was John Voight and Lindsay Wagner as Logan and Jessica, with the old man role offered to James Cagney and William Devane in the part of Francis, but none of those stuck. I've also seen mention of Robert Redford being attached as Logan briefly.
3: Well, I could see Robert Redford. I would not have enjoyed it being John Boyd.
2: Yeah. I think with this budget, Redford would have been real corny. I don't I don't think he would have agreed to this. Or or the budget would have to be bumped up a lot. Yeah. Over the course of the production, the budget had tripled from three to nine million, but made back two point five in its opening weekend on the way to twenty five million as a full take in the domestic box office alone, effectively rescuing MGM from the brink of bankruptcy. Part of that is probably due to a lot of naked Jenny Agater and somehow getting a PG rating.
3: Really? <laughs> so people yeah. were like,
2: hey, you want to see Jenny Agutter? We can, for some reason, buy tickets to that uh, movie where she's naked. The book's author, William F. Nolan, naturally assumed the film's success would lead to sequel films and composed sequel books entitled Logan's World and Logan's Search that follow Logan and Jessica off-planet and eventually back to the planet. Rather than pursue sequels, MGM partnered with CBS to develop a television series starring Gregory Harrison and Heather Menzies, which only ran for one season, and I watched it today. <laughs> so we'll discuss the plot of that at the end.
3: <laughs> you watched the whole thing.
2: We did. 14 episodes. It's all on archive.org, ladies and gentlemen. It also got a short-lived comic series from Marvel, which only ran long enough to retell the events of the film before it was discontinued. But it was popular, but they were just like, we don't, we don't need another season of this. The film won a special Oscar for its visual effects, shared with the 76 King Kong, but in doing so sparked a controversy, because the Academy's dedicated visual effects committee had officially determined that no film's effects were worthy of a statue that year, and when they were (laughs) superseded by the Academy, the full committee, including its chairman, resigned in protest.
1: Wow. Wow.
2: They were like, no, these movies look like shit. (laughs) Goodbye.
3: Wow. Has that ever happened for any other award? It was just like, no, we're not doing it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean that the special effects award was not an annual thing. Oh, okay. And we talked about it with uh, how the <laughs> the year that Flesh Gordon came out, mm-hmm. that it w- was very nearly nominated for an Oscar for the effects because it's like uh, Jim Danforth did like stop motion animation for it, and it had really impressive looking stuff in it. But they were like, no, we're not nominating a porn. Shut up, stop talking. <laughs> and they're like, nothing else came out this year. It should be this movie. This is the best looking movie of the year. They're like, stop, just stop. We're not doing one this year.
1: I, I do believe the lore for uh, Tron in '82 was Is that they
2: said computers were cheating. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: they just shut it down. The rights to the film were sold by Ted Turner to Warner Brothers, and several remakes have been mounted and abandoned since the original film. Producer Joel Silver was long developing a remake with Brian Singer originally, and then Joseph Kaczynski, speaking of Tron, and even Nicholas Winding Refn attached to direct.
1: As much as there hasn't been a, a direct Logan's run... There's been similar stuff. Yeah, like, what was that, uh, In Time?
2: With with Timberlake? Yeah. yeah where he's but, got the clock on his hand. Yeah, on.
1: exactly. Like the, the whole thing reminded me of Logan's run. That
2: has Adam Craig in it, too, right? I'm pretty sure he's in there somewhere. Mm. I think he has some scenes with Timberlake, too. Okay. As you might have guessed, Ryan Gosling would have played Refn's Logan, but he obviously aged out of it by now. He's not going to play under 30 yeah. at this point.
3: <laughs> Though they're going to try in Barbie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> In the late 90s, though, it turns out Leonardo DiCaprio was considered for the lead, and my head immediately wrote an SNL sketch about a future society of women with gems in their hands that start blinking when they turn 25. (laughs) (laughs) They all start running to avoid DiCaprio's PR team so he can't break up with them. Starring Leonardo DiCaprio as the old man in (laughs) Leo's Run. The film starts with some expository text. Sometime in the 23rd century... The survivors of war, overpopulation, and pollution are living in a great domed city, sealed away from the forgotten world outside. Here, in an ecologically balanced world, mankind lives only for pleasure, freed by the servo mechanisms which provide everything. There's just one catch. Life must end at 30, unless reborn in the fiery ritual of carousel.
3: So I feel like this is already inaccurate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So... Not everyone could live for pleasure because they're Sandman. Sandmen? Sandmans. I think they enjoy
2: killing people. I think
1: though. they do it, too.
3: Yeah. That's that's for pleasure? I think
2: they chose to do that. Otherwise, they wouldn't be so stuck to the job. I don't
3: think they get to choose, though.
1: I agree. I, I think I think they're, they're, they're chosen. Yeah.
2: Well, maybe that's part of it. They're brainwashed from early on to enjoy that job, so...
3: I just, I feel like it sucks because throughout the movie you see him like trading shifts off and I'm like, these are the only guys working? Like, that sucks. Yeah.
2: But they're all awful people. Like, ASAB for sure.
3: ASAB?
2: Yeah. All Sandman are bastards. (laughs) We open on a wide shot of a futuristic city encased in bubbles on a foggy night. The camera floats over the landscape toward the domes and into the city. Inside, we see the futuristic paradise, stylish architecture, and hypersonic vacuum tubes for intercity transportation. This footage is recycled into Stuart Raffles' The Ice Pirates and an episode of Mork and Mindy where the titular characters go on a honeymoon to Mork's home planet of Ork. So this is Ork.
0: Don't stand up until we're completely dark at the gate and observe the no screaming signs.
2: (laughs) We dissolve to an infant's hand with a white gemstone in the palm, Logan 5, played by Michael York, bangs on a nearby window. His palm crystal is bright red. This appears to be a nursery, and he is struggling for the attention of his own child or what he suspects is his own child. He doesn't know for sure. Right,
1: but it's, it's but it's the next it's Logan. It's his
3: namesake. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that it's it has anything to do with him.
2: I didn't know if there was any, like, genetic material supplied from him to the next Logan, but th- his friend here says something along the lines of, do you know who the mother is or something like that? Like... Are you? Yeah. Were you connected with this person in some way when when this child was conceived? I don't know.
3: I don't know. I didn't get the sense that it was supposed to be his. Maybe, maybe I, they're I not directly related. I just feel like related. they always just, like, if we're going to make a Sandman, it's going to be called Logan something. Or it's sure. going to be called whatever their name is. Francis. Yeah.
2: Logan is joined by Richard Jordan as Francis Seven. Francis bangs a weapon on the window to make a lot of noise. And it sets off an alarm that Logan has to deactivate with voice commands.
0: Logan 5, Francis 7, authorized duty quadrant. Intrusion, accidental. Clear, Logan 5. Clear, Francis 7.
2: We follow a small pod back through the glass tubes across town to Arcade. The building here looks a lot like a mall because it was. (laughs) Yeah. Specifically the Dallas Market Center. It was only demolished in 2006, though. Oh, really? I'm surprised it was around so long.
3: I mean, it's very retro
1: looking.
2: Yeah. Logan and Francis refer to themselves as Sandmen, and Francis assures Logan that Sandmen always renew. Some of their fellow Sandmen are turning 30 tonight, which means they're due for carousel. As the opening titles explain, the carousel offers them a chance to be reborn, or renew, into an infant, I guess? I'm not sure. Yeah.
3: It, they're never very clear about what renew means, and I think that that's intentional. They're, yeah. the, they're vague because they don't want you to know whether or not renewal happens, but... right. As you begin to watch Carousel, like there's no, it doesn't appear to be any difference between how anybody's treated, but people say that renewal's happening, so I'm just not clear on what that really means. Yeah,
1: you know, I also got the impression, though I don't think it's the case, but for some reason, I, if make it, it made it sound like, like one person will survive the Carousel, like they're like, like specifically just one. Yeah, they they say they say try for Carousel, like uh-huh. and and and. Like, a, like it's a lottery? Yeah, but it didn't make sense because cause you can't live past 30 anyway, but maybe only one of these people has chosen to...
2: But they don't show people come back out of the ring.
1: Right. That That's the
3: part that really confused me about Renewal, and I feel like maybe even the movie didn't know what it was doing because, like you said, I, I assumed it was like, oh, you're going to be reborn in an infant. Yeah, but, but
2: later we have scenes where people are like, oh, you got renewed if you because your be... gem just magically turned white again. After the carousel? Like that's literally never happened to anyone. How right, how did but, we not notice that Well it's that's what I was gonna say. That's happened.
3: literally never happened to anyone, and nobody is thirty-one. So like mm-hmm. n- nobody's ever been renewed, but you never noticed? Yeah.
2: It's weird. You wonder a lot. Too much for a sandman. By the way, do you guys recall the last time we dealt with a sandman? Bum bum bum
3: bum 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 what That was at was the that? end of Halloween two. There you go. But um we haven't actually had a Sandman character, right? No, I don't think so. Okay.
2: It seems like everyone in town is headed to watch the carousel ceremony tonight. The date is read out as Capricorn 15 in the year 2274, assuming it's based on our AD calendar that puts Logan's run about five years after the original Star Trek series. Everyone marches into an amphitheater to watch the event. It resembles in many ways an ancient coliseum, and everyone is dressed in colorful flowing robes except for the Sandmen in their black and gray uniforms. The crowd applauds feverishly as 30-year-olds in white cloaks approach a gem in the center of the floor. They flip back their hoods to reveal masks and raise their hands to show off blinking palm gems. A glittering stone lowers from the ceiling above them and everyone watches silently. A tractor beam lowers around the ring of people and they drop their cloaks to reveal bodysuits painted with red flames halfway up their torsos.
1: I, at first, like I was like, what is this, the swimsuit competition portion of the show? <laughs> uh, because I don't get... Any of what's happening here? Like, Doesn't it
2: look like the Will Ferrell John Heater? Yeah, oh, the Blades of Glory costume. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> like is this the standard uniform? Do they get to choose the outfit? They
2: all just happen to choose the same one. Yeah. No, this is definitely the this is the carousel uniform.
1: And I guess like the fire is supposed to represent, like the phoenix. Yeah, it's the like phoenix, airplane. except for yeah.
2: literally nothing is reborn here. One at a time, they're lifted into the air by clearly visible wires. The crowd chants for them to fly higher and higher as several of the participants explode in midair as they reach the ceiling. (laughs) It's like, why are you guys so excited? Your friends are dying in front of you.
3: Worst fizzy lifting drink ever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Or the best? In the middle of the festivities, Logan Five gets a page about a runner and he confirms receipt of the command. He sneaks out of the Coliseum and Francis follows him. Logan uses his device like a dowsing rod to locate the runner, or like Egon with his, uh...
1: PKE meter?
2: Yeah. A man in all red slips around a corner and Logan opens fire. He is quickly trapped between Logan and Francis, but keeps running. Ultimately, they get him pinned against a wall and shoot all around him like a knife-throwing show, and the runner dives over a balcony to land head first on the first floor of this two-story mall. Logan reports the man's death and collects an Ankh pendant from the man's hand. Logan and Francis... Celebrate a job well done while the cleaning team on jetpacks float to collect the body, I assumed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Francis wonders aloud why they even try to run when they have a chance at renewal instead. The jetpacks fly low over the body and spray it with some sort of chemical solvent that causes the body to rot away to nothing in seconds.
1: So, so that's the word. That, that's the word that, that always confused me with the carousel. A chance at renewal. So it seems like when everyone goes into carousel, you're not guaranteed a renewal. Right.
3: Yeah, I don't think so.
2: In fact, you're guaranteed no renewal. <laughs> Back in Logan's room, he is drinking out of a graduated cylinder and wearing a big black robe. On a full-size monitor across the room, he dials up a romantic partner for the night, and the first one the computer serves him is a man, but he waves off this option and approves the next one, a woman played by Jenny Agutter.
1: So is this teleportation? Is she being teleported?
2: Yes, I think so.
1: So why do they have, like, Tubes. tube cars? <laughs> <laughs> Great question.
2: Um. Anyway.
3: Because I mean, that's what's happening well, here, right? Richard, yeah. why do they have shuttlecraft when they have teleporters in TNG?
2: Why do we have planes when we have trains? <laughs> This woman is basically nude with a transparent fabric draped over her shoulders. Logan tries to drag her to his bedroom, and she resists. She admits that she would not have put herself into the circuit as an available companion tonight, but that she just lost a friend to Carousel and wasn't thinking straight. Logan tries to cheer her up by suggesting her friend was renewed.
0: He was killed. Like the others.
2: Killed? Why do you, why do you use that word?
0: Isn't that what you do? Kill.
2: Logan is deeply offended that this woman has confused killing people with terminating them, <laughs> because there's a huge difference.
1: I filed him under D, for, for donut. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was close, <laughs> close at guessing what you were gonna say. No, she... <laughs> no. <laughs> oh shit. She introduces herself as Jessica. She admits that he would be the first Sandman she's ever spent the night with, and she asks why it's wrong to run. Logan doesn't have a better answer than that's not how we do it. Francis wanders in with a pair of girls and Jessica sneaks out the door so they can party in peace.
1: Why don't you just use the teleporter? Well, no, <laughs> she
2: that's just awkward now. She might end up in someone else's room.
3: It's like it's like chat roulette. You can't like mm. you can't use it for anything else.
1: Aside yeah, you don't from get to sex. pick where you're going.
2: <laughs> it sends you to a random place. The only way to get where you want to be is to walk. <laughs> Francis throws some kind of glass bubble at the ceiling and it explodes into a pink fog that seems to intoxicate himself and Logan and the giggling girls. The next day, Francis and Logan see a sandman bleeding all over. He says he lost track of a runner and was attacked by cubs. He's headed for medical attention now. Inside the sandman offices, Logan watches a runner as a dot on a map and we see a sandman in pursuit until the runner is terminated and both lights go out. Logan and Francis walk into a large room with a cylinder lowered from the ceiling. They empty their pockets into the machine and then scan their hand to deposit their possessions, I guess. This is like putting your money into an ATM.
1: Well, I think I think it's evidence that they collected of the runner. Oh, okay. Like just to, like their, their personal effects.
2: That so you're just supposed to return. Mm-hmm. It's like, did they really check and take everything off of these guys? Or did they just spray them down and they melted <laughs> away?
1: Could have used the clothes, maybe. Yeah.
2: When Logan's possessions don't seem to process, he looks down and takes the ankh that he collected, and the computer asks him to step forward to a nearby monitor.
0: Do you identify this object?
2: Negative? Question, what is it?
0: That is the name of the object, ankh.
2: The computer tells him what it is and asks if he knows what sanctuary is. He doesn't. The computer tells him that sanctuary is a word shared by the runners who have not been accounted for. He's surprised to learn that 1,056 runners have never been caught. He also doesn't seem to notice that last night Jessica was wearing another Ankh necklace.
1: Yeah. Well, I think he does. Because that's why, I think that's why he calls her. He reaches back out to her? Yeah.
2: The computer informs Logan that he's being assigned outside the dome. He wasn't aware there was anything outside, but he must find sanctuary and destroy it to return the 1,000 runners. He asks for backup and is refused. He is to pose as a runner himself, seeking sanctuary to gain access to their stronghold. When he's released from the computer chair, he looks at the gem in his palm, and it's already blinking red. Presumably this is to give him the realistic appearance of a runner for his undercover operation, but he keeps demanding assurances that he'll get his time back when he returns.
1: Uh, This whole thing of, it's like, you have to go alone. What if I need help? No. But why? For dramatic purposes only.
2: (laughs) Shut up and go. Stop talking to me. Recharging.
1: Because if the other Sandmen... Why why not tell the other Sandmen? Because because they're just trying to get rid of him. Well, I don't
3: actually understand the system's desire here. Like, she doesn't give him any... Or it doesn't give him any, like, directive as to what to do aside from finding sanctuary. Like, yeah,
2: become a part of it and destroy it from within somehow. Magically.
3: Yeah, but, like, d- does she actually say destroy sanctuary? Yeah. Okay. Because I thought it was just to find it. No, he's instructed to
2: infiltrate it it and destroy it. Logan tiptoes horrified out of the facility with his fingers clasped tight over his blinking palm gem. On the way out, he sees Francis in a hot tub and asks if he's ever specifically seen anyone renewed.
0: Of course. Anybody we know? Look, get into the water. You need it more than I do.
2: Back in his room, Logan has called to Jessica to see him again. She turns down his romantic advances one more time. He shows her his blinking gem hand and announces his plan to run. He thinks she has information on Sanctuary because of her own ankh, which she is still wearing. He doesn't work very hard not to sound like a hypocrite here though, so it's hard to care what happens to this guy.
0: Look, don't you understand? It's different now because it's me.
2: My life. He tells her to please talk to her friends and she claims not to know who he means
0: i never heard of a sandman running ever and i never heard of sanctuary
2: logan follows her from a distance and watches everyone she communicates with the first friends she speaks with seem to plan something logan won't like they point out that if he knows anything about sanctuary then it's too dangerous not to act against him she returns to logan's door and escorts him to arcade her friends watch as she walks him there just before they get there she stops him in place for a quick warning An alarm goes off on his communicator, and he is summoned to collect another runner. He and Jessica hop into a transport car and shoot through the vacuum tubes of the city. They are pursued by two of Jessica's friends from the Underground Railroad to Sanctuary.
1: Why is he still doing his day job? He's like, I got to look
2: like I'm a runner, so the first thing I should do is shoot a runner in the face. Yeah,
1: I I, I mean, I guess finding runners would allow him to to maybe coerce one of them to help him
2: or he's trying to convince her that he is pretending to still be a sandman because if he just ignored this message then he would just be picked up and arrested immediately
1: because at this point he is right like he is
2: he is a sandman he's
1: still still a sandman
2: on the way they talk a bit about how future society works apparently from birth children are separated from parents and raised independently of family presumably this is because parents wouldn't be around very long anyway Logan and Jessica arrive at the quadrant with the runner alarm, and Logan orders Cathedral Gate opened. It's possible this whole runner alarm was just a scheme so that Logan could get out of the dome. As they move through the dilapidated building, Logan draws a gun and comes face to face with a young smiling girl.
0: What's your name? Mary Too.
1: Where do you live, Mary? Here.
2: Jessica leans down to ask the girl how she got here, but when the girl turns to leave, she leaves with Jessica's bracelet.
1: What do you mean how she got here? I mean, this is just...
2: But she seems like an unattended minor. That... But,
1: there, but th- that's what this place is for. Yeah, I guess. This is like the 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 elementary school from Recess. Yeah. You know, like just like filled with savages.
2: Yeah. Logan urges her not to retaliate against the girl because she might be a decoy. Logan spots the runner in a tall ballroom, but when he calls to them, he finds himself surrounded by runners in dirty torn cloaks. Or I thought these were runners. They're just kids. One of them threatens to slice up Logan and mentions that he did the same to another sandman yesterday. So these must be the cubs we've been hearing about. Right. Turns out the cubs sector of society has their own enforced age limits, and Logan reminds him that when his gem turns green, the others will turn on him.
1: I make the rules
0: here. No cubs over 15, Billy. Oh, have you ever seen a cub who's turned to green? You'll have to leave Cathedral then, Billy, because they won't let you stay here. And if you do try and stay here, Billy, you're... Your young friends here will
2: rip your guts apart. Billy isn't sold on the threat, so Logan starts firing his weapon around until the rest of the cubs scatter.
3: I don't really understand that either. Like, so this society just takes all the delinquent kids and just throws them down here to just live, but then at yeah. 15 they kick each other out to where? I,
1: I guess they tr- you try to get Go reintegrated. Go back to Arcade? Yeah, you get reintegrated into society. It's like
2: Because you're like, now you're an adult. Mm-hmm. Because when you turn 15, you're supposed to get a job in this society. At There's, least according no, there, to
3: the book. There is no jobs, though. They said they all live for pleasure. That,
2: that's when the Sandmen start their jobs. So, technically, f- at 15, adulthood starts. And in the book, that's when you're supposed to get a job and you work for the last seven years of your life.
3: Okay. Maybe, m- maybe they, there are more jobs in this society than, than they show in the film. Yeah. That would make sense.
2: Logan and Jessica explore the room and find the runner hiding in the debris... The woman is panicking until Logan shows her that he too is running. He presents her with the Ankh pendant and mentions Sanctuary to prove he's a good guy. They step away from her, only for a moment, when suddenly Francis appears and takes her out. The actress playing this runner was actually the assistant of producer Saul David. Jessica finds the little girl and gets her bracelet back willingly. They leave in the tubes again and we cut to a plastic surgery office called New You, run by a doctor with an assistant played by Farrah Fawcett. Do you guys recall the last time we saw Farrah Fawcett in a movie that ended with Run?
3: Cannonball Run?
2: That's right. She is surprised to see a Sandman enter, but summons the doctor to meet with him. Logan is surprised to see such a young doctor, but he waves a red gem in the air and admits to having performed cosmetic surgery on himself to maintain his youthful appearance. That seems dangerous but i guess (laughs) the way this machine works it seems less impressive yeah but i'm picturing like master and commander like oh i just got to work on these cheekbones Mm -hmm. it's like no you can't do that while you're while you're awake (laughs) that would kill you when logan lays down on the operating table the doctor tells jessica on the side that it was a mistake bringing him here but she insists that he's on their side Logan doesn't have a specific request for a face, but Holly, the Farrah Fawcett assistant, requests dark hair. Like she's trying to pick out what he's going to look mm-hmm. like now. This is face surgery. <laughs> Do you see hair in this room that we could just glue to his head? Well, Not I changing they, his hair color.
1: They just dye it
2: after. You don't go to a surgeon to change your hair color. Doc takes a call at his desk and suddenly flips the lasers to instant kill mode. Logan barely escapes the OR and tosses the Doc back on the table before leaving. On the way out, he's confronted by Francis, who says that he saw Logan talking about running at Cathedral. They run again, and Logan and Jessica quickly find themselves in a smoky orgy. They manage to lose Francis in the room and continue on in search of Jessica's friends who might lead them to Sanctuary.
1: Yeah, this whole sequence is like slow mo because I guess because they have the, the love gas going yeah. on. <laughs> but.
2: Love gas!
3: How is this PG? Yeah, like seriously, this there's whole, sixty
2: s- naked people on screen. There's so much mm-hmm. sex
3: happening in this because the scene. lights
2: aren't on. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's why I, PG. All you have to do is turn off the lights on a porno, and it's it's good for kids. <laughs>
1: uh, well, it's like the opening sequence to any James Bond film.
2: Right, exactly. That's true. As long as you can only see the curves.
1: <laughs> but I love like the ladies who are tackling Francis, and he's like. Oh no, they got me. Oh, it's
2: so terrible. You're so strong. You've overpowered me. <laughs> I've fallen again. <laughs> Logan and Jessica meet with people from the resistance and Logan quickly finds himself at the point of many glowing spears.
1: <laughs> They're just turkey basters. Yeah. They're literally just turkey basters on at the, the ends of sticks.
2: sticks, yeah. In the in the book these are called gypsy sticks because these people are called gypsies that run the resistance. They don't believe Jessica's testimony that this man is a legitimate runner. Holly, the assistant to the doctor, interrupts them to tell them that Logan killed the doctor. Jessica begs Holly to remember that there was a second Sandman hunting them, and she manages to recall, yes, that's true, that there was another Sandman who came in and attacked them.
3: Okay, I think manages to recall is strong wording She takes her
2: time figuring it out.
3: Not only does she take her time, but, you know... Jessica seems like she's sitting there, like, like. No, you saw yeah, this. It's, it's very right? the Wink, witness. wink. Yeah. Nudge, nudge.
1: Th- that those <laughs> are my those are my exact notes. I'd be like, objection, uh, <laughs> objection here, leading the witness. Yeah. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, that's right. The other one came after, and he was hunting the first one, wasn't he? Wasn't he? This one was running. And the other one was hunting him. Remember. Oh, yes. Yes. He was after you.
1: I remember. You're running. Remember more details. Faster. <laughs> He killed the doc. It's like, no, not that detail. The other stop details. Ra- stop remembering that.
3: But I, 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 I can't quite tell why they played it this way. I
2: think it's because Farrah Fawcett wanted more screen time. <laughs> and so she's saying her lines very slowly.
3: Uh, is that it? Like, is she just a bad actress?
2: I mean, she's not a great actress, but <laughs> I wouldn't say bad. The shadowed figures of the resistance put down their spears. Honestly, as soon as this guy admitted he was a sandman who had killed many runners, I wouldn't care that he had suddenly changed his mind about it when his gem started blinking. The fact that he's an unprecedented hypocrite is not the ringing endorsement they're treating it as.
1: But at this point, he's still not. He, he sent a communique back to headquarters to have them find him.
2: Right. So yeah, he's, he's still working against them. But he just admitted to them, yes, I've killed many of your people on their way to escaping to sanctuary and freedom and, and a happy life somewhere. But now it's happening to me, so help me escape. And they should have just been like, off with his head, I don't care. Why are these people here? Uh, To die very quickly.
1: It's like, why haven't you escaped? I mean, I guess you got to keep the, the, the railroad active. Yeah, but you don't need but,
2: 30 people at one stop of the railroad. Yeah,
1: also, it seems to be fairly automated from this point on. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Because they're just like down that hall.
1: Yeah, go down that hole and listen to the computer prompts. Yeah. Why are there computer prompts? <laughs> I I I feel like well, what I thought this was going was I thought this was going to be like a Matrix, like everyone's intended to find this portal to leave at some point. Yeah. That's why the computer set up to give you this elaborate thing to release you so that people could go out and then they could be found and brought back and the right. society would start over again. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't seem like it is. Right. Or maybe it Vis-a-vis, is. Vis-a-vis,
2: concordantly.
1: Yeah, because because outs- when we get to it, it seems like there's a secondary layer of security to keep people from getting out further. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand any of this.
2: They give Logan directions through a tunnel on the path to Sanctuary. Logan tries to send Jessica back as he leaves, but she begs to come with him. I like that he's like, uh, no, you're going back because it's not safe. Uh, send her back. S- send this girl back,
1: please. Can somebody give her a ride? Please? Yeah. Call an Uber? <laughs> or just teleport her?
2: An explosion tears down a nearby wall, and Holly dies. Sand men pour into the room and start firing on everyone. Francis spots Logan and Jessica hiding and gives Logan one last chance to turn back and face the carousel, but instead Logan shoots at his friend. Not he doesn't shoot his friend. He shoots at a thing behind him that explodes and freaks his friend out.
1: But Francis is his, Francis has to know there's something strange happening if he had four more years of his life yeah. and now all of a sudden he doesn't.
2: And I feel like if this supercomputer really wanted him to go undercover, that it would send a message to his friend and say, "Hey, your buddy's undercover. Don't, Don't fuck it up." Yeah, exactly. Don't shoot him on his way to sanctuary where we're sending him undercover. They come to a door that requires an ankh to open, and then they drop Jessica's onk in a deep puddle right in front of it. <laughs> it's like Logan's being such a dick here, he just like yanks it out of her hand and then mm-hmm. immediately drops it. I still have the key. I took it from the runner. There. They rush through the gate and explore the new space. Huge fish tanks flank the room. Outside, Francis finds the other ankh key in the puddle and uses it to follow them into the room. When he fires his weapon at them, one of the water tanks explodes behind them and floods the room. I guess Agatha's dress wasn't transparent enough, so they were like, "Let's drown her." Also, the runners managed to bust out of the room into an elevator and ride it up to a frozen corridor.
1: Yeah, they accidentally trigger an elevator. Yeah, um, which who among us though <laughs> hasn't triggered an elevator by accident? It's it's like a giant freight elevator. Yeah,
3: but the only instructions that he got was to go down. Like, and he does keep going down when they're, like, going through the fish tank area, but then he hits the elevator and he goes up.
2: Yeah, let's go right to the top. The shots of the elevator pistons as they rise up are recycled from director Anderson's 1959 film, The Wreck of the Merry Deer. At the top, icicles hang from the ceiling. It's a completely frozen area. They find a series of ice sculptures of penguins beside a pile of fur coats. They rip off their wet clothes and wrap themselves up in the coats.
3: What is this place? It's a freezer. Why are there penguins?
2: Because the the robot gets bored, and so he carves penguins.
1: So what I believe this to be is the exit of this facility is a zoo. That the fish tanks were part of the zoo, uh, and the, this is the this is no. Like the, the fish arc-
2: tanks are there to provide food for arcade.
3: That's but what I, I thought. That Fox that- box says that they they, uh, do, they do say that there there was supposed to be food. Were the penguins supposed to be food?
2: No, the penguins are just his art. He carves, he carves things. He's an ice sculptor.
3: I don't understand. I thought this was like a museum.
2: No, it's literally just a freezer that a, that a robot operates, and he gets bored, so he does these ice sculptures. Weird. Insane that Logan has had the ability this whole time to just take off his uniform and stubbornly wore it around anyway to make things harder on them, like a warrior in orphan territory. <laughs> Out of nowhere, a glistening robot man rolls into the room.
0: Welcome, humans. I am
2: ready for you. He explains that the fish and plant life in the tanks below provide all the food for their domed community. He claims to be a cyborg, as the Silverhawks would say, partly metal, partly real, but he looks mostly bot to me, with the exception of lips visible through his (laughs) metallic mask, (laughs) because in addition to voicing the character, actor Roscoe Lee Brown was asked to pilot the robot on set. But like, on occasion when it would happen to tip on its side, he required the help of stage hands to write himself. He yeah. couldn't control
1: it. I, I also liked his like dryer vent arms. Like yeah. it's just like, like uh that f- like metallic yeah. uh s- like slinky material. Yeah, yeah. it just looks like a it. cartoon robot. Yeah. Or it looks he looks it just looks like a homemade robot. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was literally built by fifth graders. Although this would be an amazing cosplay. Yeah. yeah. Like this, just to get all the Dress like this material. guy just, and have
2: like six grips go with you everywhere so <laughs> you they can
1: don't fall down. Stand
2: you back up. In the Logan's Run TV series, they are accompanied by a different cyborg named Rem, played by Donald Moffat, but he's never dressed to look remotely inhuman. It's just it's just Donald Moffat. It's just an older dude with caterpillar eyebrows walking around fixing all their machines for them. This one introduces himself as Box. In the original edit of this scene, Logan and Jessica were filmed posing nude for Box to carve more ice sculptures of them, but it was cut for ratings purposes. But it was just like the director wanted to see her naked more. (laughs) It was like, take off all your clothes and we're going to do a scene where he carves you guys in ice.
1: Well, when, when when she strips down in this scene, she's got something on her lower back. And I th- so I think she's wearing some kind of like g-string thong or something like that. Maybe to to keep her front half covered. Yeah. Because you only see her from behind, but there's clearly something attached to her skin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're so- called
3: modesty garments, mm-hmm. and they're, they're usually called
2: life gems, and they tell you how old you are.
3: Well, they usually have like that sticky tape so that mm-hmm. they stay in place. <laughs> yeah.
1: Also, quick quick thing about the gems Things like seems like something you'd want on the outside of your hand. Like on the, on the back of your hand. Instead of in the hand. palm? Because like in the palm, it seems like it's really- in the, Well, I guess because time you pick up a glass or something? Well, yeah, it seems like, but also it's really easy to conceal because you just keep your hand closed. It seems like on the back of your hand, it would it would always be yeah. much more obvious that you're trying to conceal I it. I
2: guess you just got to jerk it with the left or else <laughs> everybody's going to have a red gem real quick. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> good. I'm just bleeding from the penis. <laughs> my gem turned to white
3: Oh my god, I'm renewed!
2: (laughs) As in, nude again. (laughs) Logan asks Box to lead them to wherever the other runners have ended up, and he takes them to a hallway full of frozen humans. He tells them that he freezes people here like all the other food, and when the rest stopped coming, it was only humans in the freezer. Is he implying that humans are a food source now for this community because they stopped harvesting fish?
1: I mean, that's what it kind of seems like.
2: Because it feels like this should be a bigger plot point in this movie (laughs) than it is. A lot of people have said that Logan's run takes place after Soylent Green, Mm. and so- Well,
3: yeah, because Soylent Green happened like last year, right?
2: Right, 2022, yeah. Yeah. But they were also, they both have the same writer who decided what carousel would be for this film is the guy who who wrote Soylent Green.
3: I feel like- they couldn't possibly now be using humans as their food source because there's just not enough rice to so supply either. all yeah. of these people with food and
2: why are we wasting people in a carousel when it's like just send them upstairs send them up to box let's get some box lunch <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i mean yeah like even in uh water world they recycled the bodies yeah but what i like about box is that he really enjoys his work yeah like he's like, I mean, he's now, programmed to. He's but. like, now I will freeze you. And yeah, like, well, as I'm he's like, telling ah, the story. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he whips out these two ice guns, and he's just going nuts with it. Um, this sequence was shot during an L.A. summer, so all the bodies you see behind the ice wall are just extras holding very still in white spray paint.
3: Well, I didn't think they were actual frozen humans. <laughs> they didn't
2: kill anyone for this movie, <laughs> turns out. Box tries to freeze them both, but Logan discharges his weapon, which causes an avalanche which destroys Box's ice sculptures and blocks him from following them down the hall. At the end of another long hallway, the runners find an exit and see their first ever sunset. What is it? I don't know. Whatever it is, it's warm. They climb down a rock face beside a waterfall, and back in the ice cave, Francis struggles to navigate the still collapsing avalanche.
1: How did he get in? Because he had the awk. Yeah, but how did he get up the elevator? Did he call it he back down? He called it back
2: down. He wrote it back up. He did everything they did. When they stop for a break, a hyper-intelligent lizard climbs up Jessica's dress, and she has a bit of a freak out.
0: I hate outside. I hate it. Jessica, I hate Jessica, it. it's all right. It's, come
1: on. I was like, I've never related to Jenny Hegater more in my life. <laughs> I've never related to a lizard anymore in my life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that night, they cuddle for warmth in a tree. Jessica worries aloud that they are the first runners to escape the facility. The next day they find a swimming hole and celebrate with a bit of skinny dipping. Jessica notices their crystals have lost their power outside the dome. Logan petitions her one last time for sex and this time she accepts. They go for a post-coital hike and spot what they assume to be sanctuary on the horizon. What we see is a matte painting of a post-apocalyptic Washington, D.C., all overgrown in vines, with the Washington Monument rising high above it all.
1: So these are the rugged mountains outside of Washington, D.C.? Yes, C. exactly. Yep. I do not believe that they exist.
2: <laughs> it's all new. It's all new stuff.
1: So has th- this is what, what I could not figure out. At what point Logan goes... I'm not actually doing this mission anymore.
2: I think he's still against yeah. them at the end of the film.
1: Really? No, that well, no. doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're always so convincing. Or maybe I'm just very easy to I, convince.
2: I think the problem is that, uh, is that I'm such a good actor. But Really, the... you are? No, I'm not.
1: <laughs> but there's no real clear switch.
2: Yeah. Like Yeah, I don't know what's supposed to be motivating him mm-hmm. to change. You would think there would be a moment where he makes a clear decision to to kill someone, yeah, something. I mean conceivably you could say that he made the decision the second his hand started blinking like as yeah. as far as it goes like it wouldn't have changed any of his actions from there on
1: well, except for calling to h q for backup that, that, I think
2: he called for backup because he was getting attacked by people, right I think he actually wanted backup right
1: i I thought it was to to lure them to find oh sanctuary. maybe
2: maybe. They find the Lincoln Memorial and are perplexed at the sight of the first old face they've ever seen, which is funny because I actually watched the TV series first, and it bothered me that when Francis gets called to meet with, like, a council of elders who actually run the whole domed city, that he doesn't say anything about how old their faces are or that their hair is gray. He's just like, oh, who are you guys? I've never met you before. And, and it's like, if these are literally the only old people he's ever met, he would be like, what happened to your hair? Why are your faces like that? Mm-hmm.
3: There's a council of elders.
2: Yes, and they make all the rules for the city, and they invite him to join them if he can successfully find Logan, and destroy Sanctuary.
1: Huh. Also, you know, people go bald and gray early.
2: Yeah, but I don't think a group of twelve people would, by coincidence, all be this gray and old.
1: No, but I, but I mean, just in, no, in, in the in the
3: city. Yeah, in where general. are the where are the Patrick Stewarts who are, are twenty two years old and bald? There are, are people are they that evolved. go gray and bald at a younger age. There
2: were people that did that.
3: They bred them out.
2: Mm-hmm. They find the Capitol building and climb its massive steps. As we now know, the doors don't lock or anything. You can just walk right in as a goof. As they approach the Senate chamber, a cat comes running out of the door past them. Inside, they find an old man using a gavel as a nutcracker. Both parties are equally shocked to see each other. The runners introduce themselves, but the old man, only credited as old man, never offers a name. The old man seems unfamiliar with some of the words they use, like box and sanctuary, even though these are both words outside of the context in which Logan is using them. Logan checks the man's hand and finds no gem. Jessica is entranced by his visage.
0: Those cracks in your face, do they hurt? No. Can I touch them?
2: Oh my, (laughs) cry. According to the director, the buttons down the man's shirt are actually pennies because he couldn't find buttons. And that seems super impractical to me. Mm -hmm. Rather than finding a tool to punch buttonholes in copper, I would probably instead try being a naked old man forever. (laughs) (laughs) He introduces them to his entire herd of cats. You
0: know they've each got three names? Yes. The naming of cats is a difficult matter not just one of your holiday games. You may think at first I'm mad as a hatter when I tell you that each cat got three different
2: names. He tells them that he hasn't seen any people since his parents who raised him from birth and who he buried here by himself. The man thinks to ask to see Logan's hand and immediately envies the gem embedded in it, offering to trade his favorite cat for it. It's like, really? <laughs> trade your favorite cat for this shitty gem?
1: I'll give you a jellical cat.
0: I will. I'm sorry, I I really don't have anything to give you.
2: Jessica offers her ring instead.
1: You also have a gun. Yeah,
2: give, <laughs> yeah, give this crazy old man a gun.
1: <laughs> go Great
2: well. idea. The old man is momentarily distracted, but goes on randomly quoting from Old Possum's book on practical cats by T.S. Eliot.
0: You don't know, you're full of secrets, as Macavity.
1: Macavity, Macavity,
0: there's no one like Macavity. There never was a cat of such deceitfulness and suavity
2: a collection of cat-focused poems that would go on to inspire Andrew Lloyd Webber's 1981 musical Cats.
3: I have more respect for T.S. Eliot now and less for Andrew Lloyd Webber.
2: (laughs) I didn't know anyone could have any less for Andrew Lloyd Webber.
3: (laughs) But I was just like, what a silly, stupid thing to write a musical about, right? Like, that's what Cats is. It's just a dumb thing to write a musical about. Yeah. But... It's a great thing to write a book of poems about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just I just I just like I I don't know what it is. I, I feel like adapting a book of poems to the musical is just way less impressive than, than having to be like, I have this idea. We're gonna write about cats.
2: Yeah. The only <laughs> thing that was interesting about Cats the Musical was all these crazy names and you didn't come and up you
3: with You stole that. all that stuff. Like everything that was interesting about that was taken from yeah. this book.
1: I would like to see the Miyazaki version of cats. Interesting. Like, But more based on the book. No music, just like, like The Cat Returns, but the stories of cats. All
2: right. They ask to stay here on the Senate floor, and the old man says that this chamber is owned by the people, and it's for anyone to share. Jessica asks Logan if they'll ever move on to sanctuary from here, and Logan doubts such a place truly exists. Jessica is on the verge of tears when the old man presents her with some framed photographs to cheer her up, just random pictures of people, mm-hmm. no idea who they are. He leads Logan to some paintings in the corner. While they're distracted with the art, Francis appears and throws a hand over Jessica's mouth to drag her away before she can alert Logan to his arrival.
1: No way. She had,
2: like, five seconds to scream with.
1: Well, no. Also, no way Francis finds them? Yeah. Like... They were traveling a long time. Yeah. and and they're... Like, it's not like D.C. is a small city. So, if you gave... If you...
2: So, I would definitely go directly to the Washington Monument though
1: yeah but that's not where they are
2: they're very close to the Washington they're Monument
1: they're close that's to the it but building, I, think, right? I would just yeah, listen
2: that's... for people talking and then go there
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like if I dropped you off somewhere in Washington DC and then waited an hour while I told you to walk around and go somewhere and then I would have to try to find you in the yeah, city and
2: you'd find me right next to Fonzie's jacket at the Smithsonian <laughs> exactly you'd know exactly where I was And that getting thrown out of the Smithsonian. (laughs) When Logan finally notices she's disappeared, Francis steps out onto the balcony floor of the chamber to shout down at him. Before Francis can take a shot, Logan convinces his friend to look at his palm, and he drops his own weapon in shock.
0: Believe me, it's true. This isn't the truth. This is a lie!
2: He dives down to the Senate floor to attack Logan mano a mano. Logan throws Francis over a desk where he narrowly misses smashing a cat. <laughs> like the cat jumps down immediately in front of the guy.
3: Yeah. So not only was that just really alarming that this cat was almost crushed here, but all of these cats, I'm surprised that they're, that just they're standing there. actually mm-hmm. kind of just chill when all well, of. Well, they're this...
2: trained cats, so they're not yeah, supposed but... to run around.
3: I'm just saying, like, I, even with a trained cat, are they just going to sit there while these guys wrestle next to them Apparently. smashing desks? It's I would be insane. really mad
2: if I trained these cats and they were throwing each other around without warning near them. Logan pleads with Francis to hear him out and Francis literally throws the book at him. Francis grabs an American flag and swipes at Logan repeatedly before smashing him to a desk with it, with the pole tight against Logan's neck. Logan manages to yank the flag away from his friend and beats him to the floor with it. In his dying moments, Francis grabs Logan's hand and mistakes the clear crystal as a sign.
1: I believe he has yielded the floor.
2: <laughs> Logan. You're an They bury Francis beside the old man's parents outside, and he asks them to bury him when the time comes. Logan suggests they return to the domed city, and it takes some convincing to sell Jessica on the idea. They break it to the old man that they're returning home.
0: What kind of people are you? She promised you'd stay here and bury me. You did.
2: And I wanted Logan to say, oh, you misunderstood. We don't have to leave until the morning. It's too dark now. And then just beat the guy to death with a flagpole. It's like, we'll bury you before we go.
1: So uh, I don't know if I should say this question for later, but are, do we to assume that his parents were runners or were the descendants of runners?
2: I would think so, yeah. So if you did a sequel to this movie, it would be, Like, that would be Logan and Jessica's kid Mm -hmm. hanging out in the Senate. Instead, they invite him on their journey as proof that people can survive out here off the grid. I feel like this is such a pain. Like, drag this, like, septuagenarian back to Arcade. Like, it took you guys three days to get here, and you're going to do it with an old man now?
1: Also, I don't really think it's proof. (laughs) Yeah. Look,
2: we found an old person. Oh, I guess everything we know is a lie.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, he's barely surviving. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not even really sure what he's eating yeah. or how these cats are being fed.
2: After a day's hiking, they spot the domes on the horizon. The next day, we see the three of them walking along a beach that looks a lot like the one at the end of Planet of the Apes. They find a water feature surrounded in steps downward. This is actually the water gardens in Fort Worth, Texas. Logan presumes that the dome city uses the tides to power their system by running water through this generator. They traverse a series of steps down to the bottom of the fountain, and they tell the old man to wait here so they can bring the people to him. Logan and Jessica dive into the water. Unfortunately, this became a popular diving spot for local teens, and four people drowned diving into this place in the water before the city drained it down from nine feet deep to two feet deep, which actually makes it much more dangerous to dive into. (laughs) How about just empty it? When we see them surface on the other side, Logan and Jessica are actually climbing out of MGM's famous Esther Williams tank, which I believe was used to film the underwater shark cage sequences in the first Jaws.
3: I feel like it's weird that they like have any uh, concept that they can get in through this. Right? And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, it, You've never seen
2: the sun, but you guessed that this fountain was a portal? And that yeah. you can
3: get through, and you can get through quickly enough that you can get to air again. It's just like, you know... Yeah. at least at, at least like in the Poseidon adventure they had like crewmen with them that right. understood
1: the ship yeah mm-hmm. if
2: you really thought this was a generator for power wouldn't you imagine you're just gonna get smashed by a piston somewhere yeah, in this tube
1: or, yeah or a giant turbine that's just gonna rip <laughs> exactly your
2: just as they reach arcade another carousel is underway and Logan shouts to the crowd from above to warn them against participating in the meaningless slaughter the delivery here is bizarre but I'm so glad they went with this take
0: no don't go in there! You don't have to die! Well, no one has to die at 30! You can live! Live!
2: He shows them his clear gem as proof, and they all laugh it off and continue to the ceremony. So, like, an old man's not going to prove anything if you're yeah. like, look, I got a clear gem, and they're like, ha fuck you.
1: And why did it stay clear? Shouldn't it have been reactivated when he came in?
2: I don't know how it works.
1: <laughs> I don't. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs>
2: In the middle of their speech, they're apprehended by Sandman and brought to the central computer system. It asks Logan if he found sanctuary, and he refuses to answer. They use the computer to read his mind, but even then, the computer can't accept the answer.
0: There is no sanctuary. Unacceptable. The answer does not program. You were assigned to locate missing runners. State what you found.
1: All frozen. Yeah. It does not
2: program or does not compute. Program seems like the wrong word.
1: Well, and all the, all the responses that the quote-unquote surrogates are giving yeah. make it seem like the world is completely destroyed. All frozen. Yeah. No one around. Like, it, like
2: it's a tundra wasteland. Yeah, exactly. Not like, it's like there's people upstairs. It,
1: this is just like Holly. It's like, no, 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 no. Hang on. You're getting the wrong details yeah. from the machine here.
2: They got my girl.
1: Say
3: daughter, just say daughter.
2: The computer tries harder and harder to force the answer at once and we cut back and forth to exploding 30-year-olds and random flashes of the adventure as Logan shakes in his chair. Eventually the bars break down around him and he wrestles off a few more Sandmen. He destroys as much of the central computer system as he can on his way out of the building and from outside we see the roof exploding off the top of it. What did you do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, did, what
2: did you shoot that caused that to happen? Like, is is Gruber up there, like, setting explosives?
1: Yeah, it, it's like this whole place is a very delicate house of cards. Yeah.
2: And considering
3: one, nobody's maintaining this place, because mm-hmm. nobody works. Yeah, it's, it's
2: been there for centuries. And
3: it, it's just, it's totally fine unless you accidentally, you know, like, push the wrong spot.
2: Even from the water feature, the old man can see and hear explosions. Suddenly, hundreds of people appear above him and are shocked to see a man of his years alive and well. They crowd around him, and one girl can't resist touching his face as Jessica had. Everybody presses in tight, and Logan and Jessica's word has been corroborated.
1: They all just exited the domes at the same spot?
2: They were just like, explosions. I guess that means go outside. Yeah. There's a door over here we all forgot about. The music swells in celebration and the words the end appear on screen
1: and they all starve to death because they have no life skills yep
3: yeah Yeah, this is going to be the worst rebuilding of society ever because nobody knows how to do anything Well, it's kind of like
2: at the end of wally when they come back to earth and they're like great there was one plant and we brought everyone back already i'm sure everyone can survive off that one plant wally found
1: Well, they show that there were other plants growing at the end of the movie, too.
2: Yeah, but not enough to feed anyone. None of them are fruit-bearing yet. They're just leaves right now. These guys
3: can barely walk.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Their chairs aren't going to be charged for more than a day.
1: Yeah. I I feel like the the ending of The Time Machine is a little bit more hopeful because he's at least a knowledgeable person who's trying to help reshape their society. Yeah, But this is just like... This we is have, a
2: sad
0: ending.
1: Yeah, this is this is a downer, because we have this old man who doesn't know shit.
3: Yeah. Uh, I mean, in theory, the Library of Congress can't be far. Yeah, that's like, true.
2: I know where nuts are.
1: Well, where, where's that Where's that big uh, monolith that has all the instructions on how to rebuild society? did they destroy it? Somebody and, destroyed it, I think. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, dear God, no.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think somebody blew it up.
1: But you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> It's, it, a, it's supposed to be like a post-apocalyptic... Like a Rosetta like, Stone of yeah, sorts. Yeah, to teach people how to rebuild. Changes from the novel. Like I said, people are killed at 21, not 30 in the book. Logan is three, not five. Huge difference. I understand completely why they changed that.
1: He was only five? He was only five
2: <laughs> years old instead of three, like in the book. Uh, I
1: want to <laughs> see that Logan's run now. Yeah. I just with 3 year old. Logan's
2: crawl. In the book, Carousel is called Sleep Shop. <laughs> that's what it's called sleep shop
1: shop the sleep shop
2: yeah there's a there's a place right around the corner called the sleep shop where they sell mattresses and death <laughs> the old man is named Ballard in the book and toward the end of the book it's revealed that it's actually Francis in disguise so they obviously couldn't do that what? in the movie Yeah. <laughs> how
1: did he know out, to disguise him oh because he saw the old people
2: yeah so he's pretending to be a part of the resistance so that he can catch Logan But that's
1: what Logan's doing. (laughs) That's what he
2: was supposed to be doing, but then he turned. I don't understand. The life clocks are called palm flowers in the book. The book takes place in 2116, so much earlier. But the same year is brought up in the series as the year that the nuclear war devastated the planet. So I don't know if that was a specific reference to the book or what. The biggest difference is that in the book, Sanctuary exists in the form of a space (laughs) station and Logan and Jessica go there instead of back to Dome City to help anyone. (laughs) So they just let everybody else keep dying at 30 and Mm. they go off to start a family on a space station.
1: That kind of reminds me of uh, this uh, anime series called Freedom. Yeah. Where uh, the the world is like wallied and so they all flee to the moon but they're on the dark side of the moon and they don't know that the people that they left behind... And the pollution has subsided and the, and the people are trying to call them back. Oh, okay. And, uh, but it's the the people in charge know, but they won't let people leave.
2: Oh, okay. That makes sense.
1: But this this kind of reminds me of that, like in the sense that there's a space station. So the space station people must know that there's still people on Earth. Yeah. Because um, they, they're getting people from there, right? Right, right, right. So that means that there's like a whole rocketry system that still exists? Yeah, I don't know
2: how they got to a space station from the surface of the planet.
3: And why are they in the space station to begin with if the planet surface is habitable? Because they obviously left the dome and it is livable.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know why it was necessary. I guess just to get further and further away from Sandman, who don't have access to rockets. Um, on the series, uh, the first episode is like a, a two-hour special that basically retells the story of the first film, but instead of them coming back to the dome and setting everything up, they just keep looking for sanctuary. So every episode is them. It's kind of like sliders. They, they're like, did we find sanctuary this time? Oh no, it turns out this time it's like a crazy robot facility. Oh, it turns out this time it's a bunch of like uh, brainwashing hypnotist people. And the whole time, Francis and a couple other Sand men are constantly in pursuit. Mm-hmm. so, so they, but It's they just keep them like, running from fake sanctuary to fake sanctuary.
1: Do they keep getting some kind of signal? Or what, what, what draws nope. them to nope. the fake sanctuary? They just go
2: to a place that says it's sanctuary mm-hmm. until they find out, oh, it's not actually sanctuary. It's something else.
1: It's cannibals.
2: Yeah. It's always cannibals. Anyway, that's uh, Logan's run. I still give it a thumbs up because really high
1: concept sci-fi is like my jam. So...
3: I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, thumbs up.
1: Yeah, it's a thumbs up from me. I, I have some I have some issues with it in or more not like not so much issues because I think that there's a huge world here that just yeah. they can't explain everything. Yeah. And I have questions. But Yeah, I
2: think we've had some fun with the concept, but yeah, I w- I don't get what renewal means or why anyone would believe in carousel if no one's ever survived it.
1: And and the, with the concept of everyone gets a new face or can get a new face at any time, you would never really know.
2: Who if, anyone was. Yeah. And why does that not come into play? Like, this is a film where there is a technology where you can change what your face looks like and no one ever uses it in the well, whole film.
1: Well, the only time that they actually mention it is that the runner that he First caught runner, yeah. yeah, the, the runner had that, a different face.
2: But well, yeah, what was the point of that? They did not even know like what setup. the point of that was. Yeah, mm-hmm. that seems like to establish this technology so that later when it pertains to the plot, mm-hmm. but it never does. It never makes any sense. It's like, just look for the person in the red jumpsuit. They're all wearing red jumpsuits because their clothes change color when their gem does mm-hmm. and just kill everybody in all red. <laughs> Doesn't matter what your face looks like. You put on the same stupid, I should be dead clothes every day. Stop doing <laughs> that. <laughs> Unless they're just slowly bleeding.
1: Oh, that's, they're stained they red. They sweat
2: from... blood as they run. Our director here was Michael Anderson. He was nominated for an Oscar for directing 1956 Best Picture Around the World in 80 Days. He also directed Doc Savage, The Man of Bronze. Right after this, Orca. We'll see his work next season for Murder by Phone. He also directs Millennium. That's the airplane also, one. Yeah,
1: also, there's some good movies in there.
2: His son, Michael Anderson Jr., appears in the film as Doc writer david Zila goodman had a screenplay credit here uh he previously wrote straw dogs the 75 robert mitchum marlowe adaptation farewell my lovely and irving kirschner's eyes of laura mars the other writing credit was for one of the novelists william f nolan who also wrote for dan curtis on burnt offerings and trilogy of terror the other the co-novelist was George Clayton Johnson, who has a story credit on the original Ocean's Eleven. He also has one screenwriting credit on Star Trek The Original Series for The Man Trap, which I think is the first episode or the first aired episode of the show. Um, He also wrote Spielberg's kick-the-can segment of the Twilight Zone movie, and he gets character credits all over the Ocean's sequels because of having written the first one. The music here came from Jerry Goldsmith. He did the music for our Patreon review of The Ballad of Cable Hogue last season. He also composed the first adaptation of a James Bond story, Climax's Casino Royale episode. He scored Patton, Planet of the Apes, Chinatown, The Omen, Capricorn One, Alien, Star Trek, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, too many titles to go over, really.
1: Yeah. Uh, this was a really unusual set of scores from like, like all the kind the of digital like digital stuff th- yeah like the, all the digital stuff is early and because whenever he does something for Joe Dante it's always like really really strange and extreme yeah uh, and so for this movie I was like I, I was totally unaware it was him until I looked it up and I was like Yeah, oh, wow it doesn't yeah. sound
2: like him this season we've heard his work on Cabo Blanco, The Boys from Brazil, Omen 3, Outland, and Raggedy Man. He's back next season for Poltergeist, The Secret of Nim*, and First Blood. The cinematographer here was Ernest Laszlo. He was a DP on Stalag 17, Attack of the Puppet People from Bert I. Gordon, the other notorious B.I.G., who we just lost in March of this year. Inherit the Wind. <laughs> this is, uh, I was typing without looking at the keyboard and, and kind of not paying attention, so It's a Mad, 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 Mad World became... It's a Matama Dad Mad Mad World. <laughs> the editor here was Bob Wyman. He also edited An Eye for an Eye, not that An Eye for an Eye. Rosemary's Baby, The Laughing Policeman, and Police Academy Two, where no policemen laugh. Yeah. Michael York played Logan. He's ten years younger than Jenny Agator. He's a stage trained actor. He was Lucentio in The Sixty Seven Taming of the Shrew. And Tybalt in the sixty eight Romeo and Juliet. He's Brian Roberts in Cabaret. D'Artagnan in The Three and Four Musketeers. In 1981, he stars in White Lions, a third Family with Lions movie after Savage Harvest and Roar. But I have been unable to find a copy anywhere. It looks like it only ever existed on VHS Mm. and it's nowhere to be found. So if anybody knows, if anybody has a track on The White Lions from 1981, I would love to watch the third Family versus Lions movie of the year. To my generation, he's probably best known as Basil Exposition, head of Austin Powers' equivalent of Bond's Q branch. It is shit, Austin. (laughs) Richard Jordan played Francis. William Devane was originally cast in this part, but stepped away to appear in Hitchcock's family plot, Jordan played Dusty in Yakuza, Hawk in Rooster Cogburn. He was the lead Dirk Pitt in last season's Raise the Titanic. At the time of this film's production, he had just begun a relationship with live-in girlfriend Blair Brown, who we've seen so far in One Trick Pony, Altered States, and Continental Divide. His last credit was as Brigadier General Louis A. Armistead in Gettysburg. Jenny Agater played Jessica. She reunited with director Anderson in 1979's Dominique and with York in 79's Riddle of the Sands as well as September in 1996. In several interviews, Agater has complained about the various uncomfortable wardrobes she had to wear in this film. We've seen her so far in Amy and American Werewolf in London. More recently, she played Black Widow in Captain America the Winter Soldier and Sister Julienne in Call the Midwife.
3: Which is awkward because I think I saw that first. So she's an old lady nun. And then i saw this one yeah where she's naked a bunch it's
2: great roscoe lee brown played box he also shows up in Jumpin' jack flash oliver and company he's winston's dad ed zeddemore in the real ghostbusters and mr arrow in treasure planet farrah fawcett played holly we've seen her now in saturn 3 and cannonball run york says he spotted fawcett while playing a game of tennis one day and encouraged anderson to find some role for her to fit in the film she was famously Jill Monroe in Charlie's Angels, but she's probably best known for her part in The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars, where she provides the voice of a faucet. Get it? Farrah <laughs> faucet, the faucet. Michael Anderson Jr. played Doc. Like I said, he's the son of the director. He's also James the Younger in The Greatest Story Ever Told. Peter Ustinov played the old man. This was his last of four films with director Anderson after Secret Flight, Vice Versa, not that Vice Versa, and Private Angelo. <laughs> he wasn't in the the one with uh, Judge Reinhold. Reinhold.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, as a frequent collaborator, Yusenov was invited to improvise a lot of his dialogue, and it feels like it. It feels like he's just mumbling most of the time.
1: But he's wonderful. He's
2: very convincing as a crazy old man who's been alone for decades. Yeah. He's played Hercule Poirot many times. We've seen him now in Charlie Chan and the Curse of the Dragon Queen and the Great Muppet Caper. He also voices Prince John, a lion, and King Richard in Disney's Robin Hood.
3: Say, say that again, because Prince John is the lion, isn't he?
2: Yeah. Yeah. He also voices Prince John, a lion, and King Richard in Disney's Robin Hood. The credit is Prince John, dash, a lion.
3: Oh, okay. I thought you were naming three characters no, there. I'm
2: naming two characters who are a prince see your and commas. a king. <laughs> I tried to pronounce them as much as I could. Laura Lindsay played the woman runner. That's the one with a new face. She was the assistant of producer Saul David. She's also the title credits model in In Like Flint and Bobby Eden in The Boston Strangler. Gary Morgan played Billy. He was Grover in Pete's Dragon and small parts in Final Countdown and The Devil and Max Devlin. Michelle Stacy played Mary, too. We've seen her now as the young coffee drinker in Airplane, Marlene, the robot baby in Demon Seed, and she also provides the voice of Penny in The Rescuers. Ashley Cox played Timid Girl. She was the second girl to touch the old man's face and also the naked woman from The Orgy Who Grabs Logan. We just had her last week as Candy in our review of Looker. She was also Elaine in King of the Mountain with Deborah Van Valkenburgh from our previous Patreon pick, The Warriors. Bill Couch played another Sandman. He's a famed stuntman, and we've seen him so far as the Suicide Jumper in Dirty Harry, Durrell in Final Countdown, Albert Feinberg in First Deadly Sin, Sprong in Earthbound, and as Anonymous Townsperson in Dead and Buried, which I believe also featured his son, Bill Couch Jr. Chuck Gaylord played a cub, presumably related to the next credit. Mitchell Gaylord. Mitchell Gaylord was another cub. He played Mitch Grayson in Batman Forever. He's also the lead in a late 80s title from the director of Torso called American Rickshaw that looks amazing. Cheryl Smith played Screamer Party Woman. I guess that's one of the gigglers at the private orgy. No, no.
3: well, when you say private orgy, do you mean- That
2: that when he brings them into the room.
3: Yeah, just the two girls coming, Mm -hmm.
2: yeah. Uh, She's the titular Cinderella in the 1977 film of the same name. She's a laughing lady in Up in Smoke, Patient Ronnie in Melvin and Howard, and The Model in The Incredible Melting Man. Those are all the credits I have for this one. I think that's everything for Logan's Run. Thanks again to Carlos Moda for their generous contribution to the show. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, you can find all our socials at linktree slash vintagevideopod. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing whatever you chose. We leave you now with the trailer for Logan's Run.
0: Just imagine a world where you will hold your entire future in the palm of your hand when a tiny glowing crystal will guide you through an existence in which each day is more wonderful than the last, where it will be possible for you to obtain the fulfillment of every fantasy, the satisfaction of every vanity, the absolute attainment of every wish. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents the Saul David production of Logan's Run. A fantastic journey through a world beyond imagination. Welcome to the 23rd century. The perfect world of total pleasure. Imagine a world in which you need never be alone. You touch a switch, turn a dial, and the perfect lover steps into your arms. Every pleasure is yours to experience. Runner, There's just one catch. When the tiny crystal in the palm of your hand flashes its final message, your time is up. Michael York is Logan. Run, Logan! Policeman in a perfect world. No! Trained to track down runners. <laughs> run, Logan! Until he is forced to run himself. Run! I'm your friend, I understand. We all go crazy once in a while. But she's a runner, and it's over. Overwhelming. Oh, well, 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 am I not? not? Box, an incredible being. More than human, more than machine. Diabolical guardian of the gateway to freedom. Or Logan and the woman who loves him. <laughs> like that, that must be the look of, of being old. MGM takes you into a new age of adventure in the first motion picture of the 23rd century. Logan's Run. It begins where imagination ends.